Well, 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 good morning, Southview. How are we? All right, it's great to have you with us today, worshiping the Lord with baptism. This is the thing that we just love the most. Baptism is this amazing picture of Jesus Christ making us new. We go under the water, uh, symbolizing Jesus' death and our death in him and rising up to new life in him. And we are so excited. We had one during the 930. We got five more here today, people who have trusted by faith in Jesus. We're excited. All right. Aiden, come on down, buddy. This is Aiden Silva. Aiden comes today excited about his new life in Christ and excited about baptism. Hey, uh, take a look at Aiden's testimony. Hello, everyone. I decided I wanted to be uh, baptized, so I wrote my testimony and I thought I'd share it with all of you. So it starts when I was five. I got done taking a shower and in there, I was thinking to myself, I wanted to be Christian. You know, I used to go to church. I used, I, I prayed with the family before we eat, you know, uh, all that stuff. I, I was never really, like, I never uh, proclaimed my life to Christ, though. So I got out of the shower, and I told my mom, and we talked about it. I prayed that started my life as a Christian. I didn't notice anything substantial at first, um, but that's also because I was five, and Around second grade, when I was seven, I decided I wanted to be baptized. And so I talked to Pastor Steve about it, and I, he asked me a few questions. I answered them. I didn't do too good, but I was also seven. So I probably just wasn't mature enough at the time. Uh, recently, maybe like a, like a month or two ago, I was talking to a friend, she was a Christian, but she was struggling in certain areas of that. And so I started talking to her about it, giving her advice. She told me I should be a pastor. And, you know, at first it kind of seemed like she was joking, but I started thinking about it more and more. And I, uh, I told my grandma and papa, who are Mr. Bobby and Miss Robbie, they're my grandparents, I call them grandma and papa. Um, and I, I told my mom, and Graham told me that something important for me to do was to get baptized, and that's when I realized I should get baptized, and so I was thinking about why I wanted to be baptized, and I noticed that I was, I've been getting closer to God in my faith, I'm, I'm very close as of now, I'm not as close as I want to be, but I'm getting better and bettering myself every day, and so I want to be baptized to show the world and to proclaim to them that I am Christian. Amen. Amen. Well, Aiden, it is so good to hear your story of your faith in Christ. And so it is my privilege and my honor to baptize you, Aiden, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is. Amen. All right, hang tight. I'm going to pray for you, okay? Lord, thank you for Aiden. Thank you for his life. Thank you for God, just what you've done in him. We pray, God, much fruit bears out in him for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Chaz, come on, buddy. All right. This is Chaz Mendez. Chaz comes today. Uh, having trusted by faith in Jesus as his Savior and excited to profess that to you all through baptism. So take a look at Chaz's testimony. 
I grew up in a typical Christian household. My parents were, they were both new in the faith, but they were believers. And my brothers, we were all just kind of living together, trying to figure it out. And I really didn't like church because it was something that we did on Sundays. And then we got home and it was just kind of like a week stopper. It didn't, I didn't get much from it. But I remember a few years ago, I was struggling with a lot of things. I was struggling with a lot of sin, a lot of baggage. And I was so tired during that time. And at our school, a man preached a sermon on Matthew 11. And it said, come to me, all who are heavy burdened and laden, and he'll give us rest. And I was like, I needed that. I, I need someone to, to just lay my head on and just have someone help me carry this burden. And so from that day on, I became a Christian. It's been one of the greatest things that's happened to me. It's the greatest thing to happen to anyone, to be able to put our faith in Jesus and be able to have someone to just be our comforter. Amen. Amen. Well, Chaz, having heard of your faith in Christ and your desire today to profess Him as your Lord, it's my honor and my privilege to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Pinch your nose. Grab your arms. Ready? One, two, three. There it is. All right. Amen. Hang on. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Don't be shaking water on me. What you doing? Lord, we just thank you for Chas. I thank you, Lord, just for his heart. I thank you for what you've done in his life, for drawing him to you, Jesus. Bless him. Raise him up for your glory. In your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. Annabelle, you ready? This is Annabelle Sisney. She comes today professing faith in Christ as her Savior. So watch Annabelle's testimony. Hello, my name's Annabelle, and I'm 12 years old. I want to get baptized because a few Christmases ago, I was at my dad's house with my, a, a few cousins, and I was really alone. Uh, there was no way for me to get to the Lord at all. And God, when I came home, showed me that you don't have to listen to music or be with anyone to have God or to feel His presence. He's always with you, and He will never leave you. An example is that when Jesus died on the cross, God turned away from Him, and He was all alone. He showed me that when you're all alone, you're not really alone. God's always going to be with you, and I want to get baptized because He showed me that, and that it's a command in the Bible to get baptized, and I want to be obedient and follow Him in that. Amen. Well, Annabelle, having heard your testimony of your faith in Christ, it's my privilege to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, you pinch your nose. Ready? All right. Amen. 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 Jesus, thank you for Annabelle. Thank you for her faith. Thank you for her desire to walk in you. I pray, God, that you would raise her up as a strong woman of pure faith. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Noah. Come on in, bud. 
This is Nora Harriman comes today. Professing faith in Christ and desiring for baptism to show you that. So take a look at Noah's testimony. Hello, everyone. I'm Noah. I grew up in a small town in Georgia, and I've known about Christ my whole life. So my grandfather was a pastor, and I grew up in the church. But today I'm here for baptism because I'm coming to the end of myself and letting that man die. That way I can be a born again through Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Noah, hearing your faith in Christ and your desire to follow him, it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you for Noah. Thank you, God, for his heart for you, his desire for you, how he is drawn to you. I pray, God, that you will fulfill the desire of his heart, God, to be a man that walks in new life in you, Jesus, because of your life in him. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Nolan. All right. This is Nolan Brewer. Comes today to profess his faith in Christ. So watch Nolan's testimony. So I've come to know Christ pretty much throughout my whole life. Um, it's always been a constant. I went to a Catholic school as a kid. I went to church in high school and middle school. Never really took it seriously. It was always just something I did. Never really gone past like church. Never really took it back home. Then I joined the army when I was 17. In basic, I had some really good friends who we would do Bible study and go to church every Sunday. And that carried into AIT tech school. Every day I was there for seven months, I think. And every Sunday I would go to church and we would do Bible studies throughout the week. Then I came to Fort Bragg about two years ago, kind of fell out of that path I was on and wasn't being the best person, doing a lot of bad things. And with my friends, I come to find Christ again, and through, I think the next step in my journey, uh, getting closer to Christ, is getting baptized. So that's what I want to do. Well, Nolan, having heard your story, your testimony, your faith in Christ, it's my privilege to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, amen. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for your life in Nolan. Thank you, God, for drawing him to deep faith in you. I pray, Jesus, that you would bear out much fruit in him for your glory. Let him be a man that rises up and lives a life totally devoted to you. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, everyone stand with us as we continue worshiping together.
took my place, laid inside my tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, but then you walked right out again. And now death has no sting. just thank you. We thank you for your blood. We thank you what it means for us, how it gives us life and makes us new. We thank you, Jesus, that we have no hope but you. We ask you, Jesus, that you'll make yourself so real today. Let us see, Jesus, today what your gospel really means for us, how it impacts us, how it changes us, and how it makes us new. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, good morning to you all. Hey, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 31. But while you're finding that, a couple of quick things I want to throw your way. A couple of announcements of things we have going on here at Southview. One, we have Easter quickly coming upon us, believe it or not. March 24th is going to be Palm Sunday. This is the Sunday before Easter. We're going to have a big kids day that day. A lot of great kids uh, Easter activities. Um, going to happen all morning into the afternoon with an Easter egg hunt for all kids up through elementary. It's going to be a really great time. Love to have you come. Text the word Easter if you're planning on being here. 
so that we can know who to prepare for. Uh, invite friends, neighbors, family, bring everybody. It's going to be a great day, so come and be a part of that. Uh, next, also with our kids' ministry, Vacation Bible School believe it or not, is getting close. That date is going to be June 10th to the 14th. You go ahead and mark your calendars for that. We'll go ahead and let you know March 1st, we're going to open up registration for volunteers. March 25th, we'll open up registration for kids. And then for our volunteers, um, important training dates are going to be April 21st and April 28th. So we'll have you, as you sign up, you'll, you'll, uh, get to click on those dates and tell us what date you're coming and and get ready and prepare for that. So that's coming, so don't forget that. And then lastly, God stories. God stories are opportunities for you to get in front of a camera and share just a quick one, two-minute story of how God has done remarkable things in your life. We want to hear your story. So we, we film these, and then we show them during Sunday services. Just a way of kind of getting testimonies out so people can share about what God has done in their life. Um, and, and, and let me say this as well. Um, your story doesn't have to have ended or currently ending right now in a happily ever after for it to be a God story. Sometimes the God stories are, I'm walking through this season. I honestly have no idea how it's going to end, but God has been faithful. That's a God story, right? That's, that's where most of us find ourselves. Uh, and so we'd love to hear your story. And so you can text the word story to our number, 910-424-1298 to sign up for that. And all our other announcements, everything we have, you can download our app, iTunes or Google Play. You stay connected there. You can give online through the app or in the giving boxes as you leave, whatever works best for you. Uh, also, if you're a guest with us, we'd love to connect with you. You can do that in two quick ways. One, You can either text the word CONNECT to our number, 910-424-1298, or the simpler way is just snap the QR code on the back of the pew in front of you. That'll send you straight to a link, answer a couple of quick questions just so we can know who you are and that you were here. And then we'd love, after the service, if you can come up, my wife and I will be up front. We'd love for you to come up and say hello and introduce yourself to us. Uh, and, And then one more quick thing. As far as updates um, for our pastoral searches. So we're currently searching for a worship pastor and student pastor. Just want to give you an update on that. We've got our worship search team together. uh, And we are already receiving resumes from all over the country. We've already sent out a couple of questionnaires to some candidates that we want to get to know a little bit more about. So uh, continue to pray for us in that search uh, that God would lead us to the right man to be a worship pastor here at Southview. And then also, while that uh, worship pastor search is going, I've asked uh, Chris Calhoun if he would be our interim youth leader. And he has graciously agreed to do that. So Chris Calhoun will be leading that ministry for us as we're working through this search process Chris is going to be a great guy for that. He has done just about everything there is to do around here. Um, He has served as chairman of our deacons, chairman of our admin team. He's been on all of our leadership teams. He's served in leading Bible studies. He's been a leader in our youth ministry for many years. And I think most importantly, um, he met his wife in this youth ministry. So full circle, right? So, So this is a guarantee. Guys, you come to youth, guaranteed you'll meet a girl. Right? It's, it's there. It's, it's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. So, uh, so continue to pray for that ministry. They're going to do fantastic and wonderful leaders there. And so we're excited for them uh, moving forward. All right. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 31 is where we're going to be again. We're going to pick it up in verse 31 here in just a moment. So we're in a series 
called Mission Vision, and we're just going through the mission and vision of Southview, who we are, who God's called us to be, and what does that look like for us. We've said that the mission of Southview Baptist is to seek to fulfill the Great Commission by discipling people to worship Christ as their greatest treasure, nurture a relationship with Christ in others, and be a witness for Christ in the world. Basically what we're saying is God has called us to teach people how to be followers of Jesus, to make disciples. That's the Great Commission. That's what we are called to do. The language that we're going to use around here a lot to kind of put flesh and bone on that is worship, nurture, witness. Worship. Where do we get that from? Well, Matthew chapter 22, Jesus says the greatest commandment ever is that you would love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. So we get from that Jesus is our greatest treasure, and we're to love him, worship him, adore him, revere him as the greatest treasure in the universe. And then orient our lives around that. Nurture. Over 100 times in the New Testament, we are commanded by God to one another each other. Love one another, forgive one another, stir up one another, um, uh, 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 encourage one another. And so we want to nurture a faith in one another. A disciple of Jesus is someone who seeks to nurture the faith in others and allow others to nurture a deeper love for Jesus in themselves. And then witness. 2 Corinthians 5 says that we are made ambassadors for Jesus Christ, seeking to call all people, appealing, begging, calling for all people to be reconciled to God through Jesus. And so this is what a disciple is, someone who worships Christ as their greatest treasure, nurtures a growing relationship with Christ and others, and lives as a witness in this world. And so now what we're saying is, okay, so how do we do that? How do we do that? What does that look like? So now we're walking through our core values. We're going to take some time to walk step by step through each of our core values. So what is a core value? A core value is a building block. It's a foundation. So think about your house. If the foundation of your house is shaky, shallow, wobbly, then the structure is in great uh, 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 danger of collapsing. Same thing with the ministry. If we don't have solid core values of how we're going to build this ministry, what we're going to build it on then the ministry has a great danger of crumbling and falling. How we do ministry is going to change. Just like your house. right? You redecorate your house. You repaint the walls. You buy new furniture. You rip up the carpet. You put down hardwood floors. You change things. But the foundation stays the same. What allows you to be able to update the interior, update the, the, the outside, change the aesthetic, change the layout, even knock down walls, add this, change this room into an office and that room into a man cave, whatever. What allows you to do that is the foundation is solid. Same with church. If the foundation is solid, we can change the way we do ministry. That's not the point. We're always going to change the way we do ministry. If we're doing ministry 10 years from now, the exact same way we're doing it today, we're sinning because the world will have changed. People will have changed. Circumstances will have changed. And what allows us to be nimble and fluid to, to, to react to that and minister well there is a solid foundation that does not change. Track with that? So what are our core values? So we've got... A few that we've been walking through. Commitments to the Bible, gospel transformation, devoted to prayer, disciple making, missional living, biblical community, and kingdom expansion. These are core values. And we're kind of walking through each week and explaining what we mean by that. So last week we saw core value number one is the Bible. 
Commitments to the Bible. We said we believe the Bible is the authoritative word of God that points us to Jesus as the greatest treasure in the universe. Because of this, we commit ourselves to personal and corporate study of the word through expositional preaching and teaching and joyfully submit ourselves to the scriptures as the Holy Spirit uses them to draw us closer to the Father. Today, we're going to see the second core value, gospel transformation. What does that mean? Gospel transformation. We believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he died and rose again to rescue, redeem, and restore all who believe in him. Because of this, we practice a gospel-centered model for ministry that focuses on Jesus Christ as the source, motivation, and power for all of the Christian life. Why is this a core value? Because... The human heart, when we think about trying to grow in the Lord, the human heart is naturally bent towards legalism. Without the gospel as our foundation, here's what happens. Every Sunday becomes New Year's Day for you. Every Sunday becomes a new Sunday where you start giving all of these resolutions to God. Okay, God, okay, 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 I hear what you're saying. I know, I know, I know, I know I'm not living how I should live. Okay, I get it. So here's what I'm going to do. Here are all the things I'm going to stop, and here are all the things I'm going to start, and this time I really, 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 really mean it. And then that becomes your Sunday, week after week after week after week after week. And I don't know if you've ever done that or not, but that junk's exhausting. And you become more frustrated. And it goes to one of two things. Either you become self-condemning, and you're like, I'll never get better, I'll never get better, I'll never get better. Or you start looking around the room and find people that you think you're better than, you're going, well, at least I'm not like that guy. Legalism only leads to two places, either pride or condemnation. What we want is to build a ministry off the gospel. This understanding, that like what we said right here, that Jesus died and rose again to rescue, redeem, and restore all who believe in him. The reason many of us struggle in the Christian faith is because we're focusing on ourselves. There's a reason why it's called Christianity and not Bradianity. Because if I, walk, if I look at me, I'm going to mess myself up. It's like driving a car. If you're driving and you're looking over here, what happens? You drift that direction. If you're looking over here, you drift that direction. You drift where you're looking. And if you're looking at you and your actions and what you do or what you don't do or what other people are doing or what other people aren't doing, you you think you're doing that in some attempt for you to try to walk towards God. But the truth is you drift farther away from God, not to him. So we want the gospel that Jesus died in your place for your sin was buried in a grave for you, victoriously bust out of that grave to brand new life, ascended up into heaven, and now sits at the right hand of the Father in all glory and honor and victory and power forever and ever. Amen. And that is what now allows you to actually live a changed life. Gospel transformation as our foundation changes everything. And the Bible itself, reads like this. You read through the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, he said, I know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Think about that. The Apostle Paul says, I don't know anything except this one thing, that Jesus Christ died for my sin and rose again. Now, did Paul not know any other things? Of course he did. He was a 
profoundly learned, educated, wise, well-read man. He knew a lot of things about a lot of things. What he's saying in that is, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is this. What I know about other things will not change you. The only thing that will change you is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when he's talking about practical things like marriage, he doesn't say, here's what you need to do, guys. You need to learn how to fight better. You need to learn how to communicate. He doesn't go there step one. What's the first place he goes? Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, um, remember the way Jesus laid his life down for you. Now you go lay your life down for your wife like that. You go love her like Jesus loved the church. Wives, you remember that you have submitted yourself to Jesus because he is your sacrificed, resurrected, and glorious living Savior. And you joyfully submit yourself to him because that's who he is. Now joyfully submit yourself to husband, your husband in the exact same way. He doesn't go to how you should act or what you should do. He goes immediately to the gospel and how that applies to your life. We're talking about money. He does the same thing, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. He says, listen, Jesus, even though he was infinitely wealthy as God in all of his godness, he emptied himself, became poor, emptied himself of all of that so that he can then make us rich spiritually. And you need to interact with money in the exact same way. You don't live and die off your money. You divest yourself of it. You don't care about it because God is the one who makes you rich in things well beyond this world can ever give you. He takes it to the gospel. Same thing with, with um, our, our bodies and sexual sin. First Corinthians chapter 6, he says, Jesus Christ sacrificed his body for you, therefore you now glorify God with your body. He gave his for you, so now you live yours for him. He goes to the gospel in all of it. So same for us. What we want to do is have the gospel be the the primary focus, the foundation that everything else is built on. That's why we sang that song. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, that it washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, that you saved my life. Right? What are we doing here? We're focusing on Jesus because, again, it is Christianity. It's about him, not anyone else. That great philosopher, theologian, Homer Simpson. So there's an episode of The Simpsons where he decides to read the Bible. So it, watched, it shows him kind of reading the Bible, and he gets to the end, and he closes it, and he says, everybody in this book is completely messed up, except for this one guy. And that's the point. Everybody is completely messed up, except for this one guy. Everyone wears the black hat. Only Jesus gets to wear the white one. We are the sinners saved by Jesus and focusing our heart, our mind, our affections, our desires on what Jesus did to save us. That is what will change you. So let's jump in. Jeremiah 31, 31. Let's see what we've got here. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, 
declares the Lord. So the idea is there's this old covenant that was built on the Mosaic law, right? Think Charlton Heston, Ten Commandments, right? Big white beard flowing slightly in the breeze at the bottom. Let my people go. Right? Big stone tablets. That's the idea. This command, this, this, this covenant from God of here's how you're going to have a relationship with me. Obey me. Obey me. But he says there in verses 31 and 32, here's the problem. Did they do that? No. Even though I promised to be your husband, even though I promised to love you, even though I promised to never leave you, you kept leaving me. The whole point of the old covenant is God said, here's what I want you to do. Just obey these rules and you'll have me. And they can't do it. It doesn't matter how glorious of a reward they're going to get. They can't do it. Isn't it amazing that after thousands and thousands of years, humans still can't get out of their own way? And the point of the Old Covenant isn't that God's plan failed. It's a perfect plan. The whole point of the Old Covenant was to show you and I today that still isn't going to work. You trying your best to obey God and do what He said and follow His rules and be a good person, that's not going to work. Let's be honest. You have many decades of personal experience that should be welling up in you telling you, you stink at that. And that's okay. That's the point. Which is why we then get the new covenant. God wants you and I to see you can't do it that way. And the problem with a lot of churches and a lot of Christians is this. Even though we say we're saved by the new covenant, we try to live our lives according to the old. Here's what I mean by that. We focus still so much on what you should do and should not do and how you should live and how you should not live and what steps can we take to make sure you practically do this thing better. Are those things bad? No, but they cannot be the foundation. We need more. We need the gospel. The greatest thing I can do up here today it's not give you five steps to have a better marriage. Greatest thing I can do here today is to lay out for you the 5,000 steps Jesus took up Calvary, dragging his cross to save you from your sin. And when you see that, you're different. You're just different. So let's pick it up in verse 33. Verse 33 of Jeremiah 31. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. This is the new covenant, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. So I want to walk through these two verses and I want to kind of unpack again what gospel-centered life and ministry looks like. And I want you to see why I would say we want this to be a foundational core value for everything else we do. All right, so let's jump in. Verse 33, I want you to see the first thing. God has written his law on my heart, so now I can finally obey him. Can we agree obeying God is hard? I mean, I know it's church, and this is no place to be honest. But let's just, let's just give it a shot. It's hard. 
So then people say things like, again, Matthew 22, I quoted it earlier. Well, Jesus says just the whole commandment is just boiled down into this, love God with all that you have. Okay, well, here's the problem. Martin Luther, my wife read this this week and read it to me. I thought, ooh, that's strong. Martin Luther, the great reformer, when someone looked at him and said, Martin, don't worry about the whole law. Jesus said it all sums up into just this, love God. And Luther said, love God? Sometimes I feel like I hate him. Uh-oh. Wait a second. How are we going to obey him? This is where gospel transformation comes in. Look at verse 33. I have put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. In the old covenant, the law was written on stone tablets. In the new covenant, God writes it on our hearts. In the men's breakfast yesterday, I said that our theme for this year for our men's ministry is going to be Philippians 2, 12, and 13. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and work for his good pleasure. And what I told the guys yesterday was the whole point is this. At salvation, God places himself, his life, his character, his nature, his law in you. And now you get to spend the rest of your life seeking to work that out. Christianity is not about you striving to become a thing. It's about you realizing that through faith in Jesus Christ, God's already made it. God's already done. It's not about what you do for him. It's about what he, through Christ, has already done for you and in you. So now I get to obey him. Because everything's different now. It's not I'm striving to obey because I know that I should. Now it's I've been made new and different. His law has been written on my heart. So now the want to is different. There are things you just want to do in life. right? I want to eat a steak. I want to hang out with my kids. I want to kiss my wife. I want to watch the Chiefs get destroyed tonight. I'm telling you, it's in the Bible. That is from God. All right? That is from God. But I know what's going to happen. It's going to be the fourth quarter. It's fourth and 30. And Patrick Mahomes is going to just... Anyway. Sorry. Side note. I apologize. There are things that are just welling up in me that I want. They're not external things that I'm striving. I got oh, I gotta, I gotta make sure I do that, and I gotta make sure I do this. There are things you just want to do. Your wants to is different. And this is the way it's describing the way gospel transformation works. When you soak, saturate your heart in the gospel, that Jesus Christ died for my sins. He was buried for me, and he rose again, and he ascended into heaven, and he has written his law on my heart, and he has sealed me up with his Holy Spirit, and he has made me new. Second Peter now says that you are, it's so, it's so deep. Second Peter 1 says that you are literally now a partaker in the divine nature. Like he literally weaves his heart, his nature, his desire, his law into you. He makes you different. Right, it's like my iPad. So if, you know, I, 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 I'm given an iPad, and so in that iPad, it already comes complete with an operating system. Right, already set in there, and I can download apps onto it to work off that operating system, but it's downloaded already with a system that, teach, that shows how it works and how it engages and how it does things. This is the way that it is. When you become a Christian, you are, your heart is downloaded with a new operating system. And now 
your want to becomes different. The more you're focused on Christ and who Christ is, it's just different. So that's why, again, our focus should not be on external things that we should do, but on internal things that Jesus has already done in us. So now it's not, you know, you shouldn't lie because lying's bad. Now it's, okay, well, have you trusted by faith in Jesus? Yes. Have you been new by Jesus? Yes. His law is written on your heart and sealed up with the Holy Spirit? Yes. Okay, so what does the life of Christ in you say that you should do right now? Remember, I think it still come back around because everything, everything comes back around. Remember back in the 90s we had those WWJD bracelets? Right? I think they're back around again now. Because you're realizing finally the 90s was the greatest generation. So you're welcome. We gave you everything awesome. But it's a great question for a Christian. Jesus lives inside of you. So the question is in every situation, what does the life of Christ say to this? How would Christ respond to this? What would Jesus do? Because Jesus lives in me. Right? That actually is a great question to ask. We can ask what Jesus would do in the situation because we are convinced of what Jesus already did for us and made us new. So now we get to live it out, man. You see how this changes? Why I say that this needs to be a foundational core value for our church? If that is how we operate, it changes everything. So now we're not just talking to you about how you need to stop doing this or start doing this. Now we're pointing you back to Jesus. Okay, well, what does the life of Christ say about that? Right? What, what does Christ in you say of this? Does Christ in you respond in that way? Does Christ in you do that thing? What does, what, what does Christ in you say to this? Uh, second thing I want you to see also there in verse 33, that second point. God has made me his own, so now I can have a real relationship with him. Verse 33, I will be their God and they shall be my people. So many Christians struggle in the faith because they're trying so hard to have a relationship with God, not realizing that through faith in Jesus you already do. You already do. It doesn't matter how distant you feel from God or how far he feels from you. That's not the point. Through faith in Christ, you are perfectly connected with him. This is why it's a core value. Gospel transformation is so huge for us. This idea completely impacts our life. Because if we look at people now and ask, okay, do you believe that through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, you now belong to God and he belongs to you. Do you believe that through the gospel, he promises he will never leave you, never forsake you, and he will watch over you and protect you as a child forever? Do you believe that's true? And if the answer to that question is yes, doesn't that have massive implications for fear, anxiety, worry, doubt? Right? Doesn't that radically impact those things? Because Jesus has promised through the gospel that he will never leave us and never forsake us. And so now we can just trust him because the gospel makes this true. It also impacts how we interact with the world. Um, Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep yourself free from love of money and be content with what you have. All right? Hebrews 13.5 Keep yourself free from love of money and be content with what you have. Now, if the verse stopped there, you go, okay, well, all right, then that's the command, right? 
keep yourself free from love of money and be content with what you have. So you'd have to kind of work that up, right? Okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to love money. I'm not going to love money. I'm not going to love money. I'm going to be content with what I have. I'm going to be content with what I have. Okay, and you're looking around going, boy, that guy's got really nice stuff. And I'm driving around on an old beater held together by duct tape and Christian bumper stickers. But the verse doesn't stop there. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep yourself free from the love of money and be content with what you have because Jesus has promised you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Right? That's the, that's the foundation for the command. Jesus promises to never leave you through the gospel. He is there. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He will be your God. You will be his people. And as a result of that, now you get to trust him. You don't have to chase after the things of this world. You get to just trust him because he's never going to leave you. It changes everything. Changes everything. Uh, Next, look at the next verse, verse 34. You see the third point. God has promised I will know him, so now I can be intimate with him. You see that in verse 34. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. So our celebrity society has caused us to think that we know people that we don't really know. Um. We talk about politicians and athletes and celebrities like we know them, right? We listen to their opinions. We, you know, their views on life. We follow them on social media. We cry at their funerals. But they would not know us if we walked in the room, right? They have no idea who we are. Um, Social media has also greatly warped our definition of a friend, right? Just because you got a friend on Facebook, just because they liked your picture on Instagram of your cat, doesn't mean you're friends, right? But God promises something powerful here. God promises through the gospel that through faith in Jesus Christ, we can know God and he can know us. That word know is significant. It's the same word in Hebrew that comes from Genesis 4. And Adam knew Eve and she bore a son. It's this idea of of intimate knowledge, right? Not head knowledge, like I know the capital of Raleigh is North Carolina, or North, North Carolina is Raleigh, but, but this idea that, that it's an intimate, intimate knowing knowledge. And the gospel says, through faith in Jesus, we can truly, legitimately know God. This union means that we can be close to God and never any closer. We're as close to God as we can ever, ever ever be. We may feel closer at this time or feel far away from that time, but it doesn't change the fact that through the gospel, we can never be closer to God than we are right now. Again, now the key is, how do you work out that relationship and build out greater intimacy with Him? The gospel of Jesus Christ opens up the opportunity for you to have true, legitimate intimacy with Him. How are children born? Through the intimacy between mom and dad. How spiritual fruit born? Intimacy between you and God. If there is a lack of spiritual fruit bearing out in your life, it is because there is a lack of intimacy between you and God. And the gospel says that doesn't have to be so. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
You can know God intimately. And you don't have to depend on anyone else to, to, to get you there or do this in you. Through Christ, you have perfect, intimate knowledge of God. And then again, this changes how we do discipleship. It changes how we do ministry. Because now the question that we're asking each other is, how's your intimacy with the Lord going? And what do you mean? Are you, are you walking in intimacy with God? Are you spending time with Him? Are you listening to Him? Are you talking to Him? Are you growing in knowledge of Him? When Marie and I got married 21 years ago, that is correct, right? See, you don't know either, so I don't feel bad. All right, whatever. Okay, thank you. Thank, as my, and my aunt and uncle surprised me. They're here. They were 21. Thank you. Thank you, Aunt Trisha. So when we got married, and I stood up in front of family and friends, and I, and I professed my love for Marie, and, and, and we exchanged our vows, I meant every word of it. I meant in my heart every last word of it. And as a 20-something-year-old kid, I had no idea what I was talking about. Right? How many of you remember blissful ignorance, right? You're like, no, I love, you don't, what, what are you talking about? You don't know what you're talking about. You don't even, six months ago, you weren't even paying rent. You were living in your mom's basement, right? You don't know. I had to grow in this. I had to grow. And over the last couple of decades, as we've grown in our intimacy, grown in our knowledge of one another, grown in, in the fruit from the relationship has just blossomed. Why? Because the intimacy has been there. Same thing. So you come to faith in Christ. I, that date, November 16th, 2002, at that moment, I have never been more married to Marie than I was at that moment. Right? I'm, never, I'm not more married today than I was then. I was perfectly, totally, completely, 100% married to Marie. That's it. Can never be more. However, over the last two decades, we have greatly grown in our love for one another, our relationship with one another, and the fruit that bears out from that. Same thing. When you trust about faith in Christ, you're as close to him as you'll ever be. You are united with him. He has sealed you and filled you with his spirit. You can't be more Christian than you are at this moment. But he, do, he does desire you to grow in intimacy with him. He does desire you to pursue greater intimacy in your walk with him. So this now begins to become the building block again for our ministry. How's your intimacy with the Lord? How's that growing? Let me help you with that. How can I help you with that? What's blocking that intimacy? Right? Same thing with any kind of marriage counseling. What do we want to do? Help diagnose blocks that stop you from walking in that intimacy and help you figure out how to kick those out and grow back together. Same thing with our walk with the Lord. Now we get to help each other find out barriers to that intimacy, remove those so we can grow. And the last thing I want you to see is this. Also there in verse 34, God has forgiven my sin, so now I am free from condemnation in him. Verse 34 says, For I will forgive their iniquity and will remember their sin no more. Being able to live in the unspeakable joy of knowing that you are totally and completely forgiven by God is an unbelievable gift of the gospel. 
One of the things that people struggle with the most is really believing that they're forgiven. And really living out that forgiveness. How many of us in this room, if we were honest, we would say, you still struggle with guilt and condemnation and regret from sins from the past. And yes, sure, we can look back and say, you know, hindsight, I would not have done that. Yeah, I wish I, w- wish I could have a mulligan there. Yeah. But the gospel says you no longer have to live under condemnation. You are totally forgiven. In fact, in verse 34, it goes on to say even more so, I will remember their sin no more. So quick question, can God forget anything? No. No, God doesn't forget. So, but why does he say that I will remember their sin no more? If God can't forget anything, how can he not remember your sin? Well, the point is this. Forgiveness is so great and glorious, even though, of course, he can't forget what you've done. He's God. He has chosen to interact with you as if that thing never happened. Like it never even happened. What sin? Like it's totally wiped out. Completely and 100%. Again, like we we sang earlier, the blood of Christ washes us white. Just as if we never sinned. Justified. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, John Piper said, If Satan cannot stop you from being forgiven, then he will seek to stop you from experiencing the joy of that forgiveness. He can't stop God from forgiving you. So what he does is he tries to stop you from enjoying that forgiveness and not realizing the fullness of the forgiveness and doubting whether or not it's really that good. So this is why, again, a foundation for our ministry is gospel transformation. We want you absolutely convinced and settled of the unbelievable grace of God. We want God's grace. I love, so reading through the Bible is so amazing. So you go to Romans chapter 6, and it's been highlighting grace, 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 grace. And I love the fact where the Bible has to say, the Bible assumes people are reading this. And if you're reading it correctly, you're thinking, wait a second, that's some crazy grace. That's crazy kind of forgiveness. You're talking about forgiving like that much grace, that good, covering that much sin, as much sin there is, there's even more grace thrown on top of it. I can't out God. He always forgives me. You've got to be kidding me. And he knows people are going to be thinking, so you're telling me there's a catch. And he says in Romans 6, 1, so are we saying that we can keep on sinning so that grace may abound? And he says, of course not. That's ridiculous. The point of grace isn't that people are concerned about grace and forgiveness and they say, well, if you push too hard on that, then people are going to think they can just keep on sinning and God's just going to forgive them. And anyone who does that, I would submit, has no idea what true grace really is. What we want to do is pound the gospel of grace into our heads. In fact, Martin uh, Luther, again, in um, his introduction to the book of Galatians, says the gospel is a hammer that must be beat into the heads of our people continuously. We must go gospel, 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 gospel. You are that forgiven. Grace is that good. You are that covered in sin. You are that loved by God. You are that close to God. But what about this is this? No, 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 no. The gospel is still that good, and you are still that forgiven, and the grace is still that glorious over and over and over and over and over. Because when we really see how great and amazing God is, 
how great and amazing the gospel is. We don't want to sin. We want to turn to him. I want to ask you to bow your heads for me. Tonight, uh, today, we're, um, we're not going to have the band come up. We're not going to do any of that. This morning, we're going to end by just giving you a chance just to pray. And, and here this morning, if you're a Christian, I want to encourage you. Have you tempted to follow God by trying hard to obey rules, believing the lie that you're distant from God, and the only way you're going to get close to Him is if you work harder and do better? Have you been harassed by condemnation over past sins that God's already forgiven? I want to encourage you today. Number one, confess that, okay, because you're believing lies about God, which is a sin. But good news, Jesus has already covered that one too. So confess it. Tell God today that you've been believing lies about him. Trust what the scriptures say about the gospel and the relationship with God that you're given through Christ. Profess to God here this morning. God, I know I am who you say I am. And my relationship with you is what you say it is. Empower me to live the Christ life. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, this kind of relationship with God appeals to you. You want this. You feel it welling up inside of you. You're, you're, you're desiring this. I want you to know being a Christian does not mean that you simply stop bad things or start good things or start attending church. It means you finally admit that you can't do any of those things. You can't stop doing bad things and start doing good things. You've tried and it didn't last. So Jesus Christ came to earth. He died on the cross and rose again so that God could take away all your sins and give you his life. Today I want to encourage you right where you are, confess to God, God, I'm a sinner and I cannot change that. God, I need you. Jesus, I believe that you died, were buried and rose again for my sins. Forgive me and make me yours. I need you today. If that is your prayer, I want to encourage you. At the end of the service today, please come find me. I'd love to encourage you and pray with you. If you came with someone, talk to them. Tell them. You both come find me. But Lord, I pray God for us here today. I pray God for our church, God, that we would be a ministry totally and completely built off the foundation of the gospel and what that means. And we're not striving just to be better people and work harder. God, we are completely saturating our hearts with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and everything that that means. And that your gospel will change us. Pray, God, for those here today who are believers, that you would empower them to live this out. 
I pray, God, today for those who are non-believers today, but feel pricks in their heart that this is what they're being led to. I pray, God, that they would trust by faith in you, Jesus, and be made new. Do this, Lord God. Do this in us for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen, amen. Hey, listen, before you leave, uh, I want to introduce some folk to you. We finished up um, our latest round of our new members class. And so I want to introduce our new members to you today. So as I call your name, if you can just come on down, guys. Um, Larry and Robin Dockery, come on. Join us. So uh, Larry and Robin uh, they've been attending here for uh, a while now. We're part of several ministries and, and just really jump right in and serving. Um, come on down this way. Let's, let's work down this way and we'll, we'll make a line. Um, and uh, we won't give him a mic, but if uh, Larry talked, you may recognize his voice from 105.7. He's the voice. So uh, as you hear that, that's him. But great to have this family here with us. Wonderful. They love the Lord and uh, so excited about how they're going to serve Him here and be connected with the body. So you're excited about the Dockeries being a part of our ministry here, our family. Let them know by saying amen. 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 Butch and Deborah. Butch and Deborah, come on guys. Butch and Deborah Robbins. Wonderful couple. Uh, just a great story. Just love spending time with those guys. Come on down this end, fellas. Wonderful uh, spending time with them. Great couple. Just wonderful, mature in the Lord, and uh, really excited about jumping in and serving and, and helping disciple and minister in various ways. Um, they also love to travel and just came back from a cruise, right? Yes, so that's fun. So, hey, get cruising buddies if you want some. So, um, Great to have uh, the Robins here. So if you're excited about Butch and Deborah being a part, again, of our ministry here, our family, let them know by saying amen. 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 Excited. Uh, Aaron, Aaron, come on, Aaron. This is Aaron Fisher. Uh, her son, Aiden, is actually one of uh, the guys that got baptized earlier today. So that's fun. So big day for the family. Aaron already serves in our kids' ministry, her Parents, uh, Bobby and Robbie, are very active leaders here at our church as well. And Erin's been a part of the ministry here for so long. Uh, so, so excited to see her take this step of covenant membership. So, same thing for Erin. If you're excited about her being a part of our family of faith here, let her know by saying amen. Amen. Uh, Gilbert's Danny and Kathleen. All right, guys, come on in. So these are the Gilberts, Danny and Kathleen. Uh, their daughter, Audrey, is she upstairs? Oh, no, there she is down there. Come on, uh, you can come on down here, guys. So Audrey's gone through the membership process as well. Um, she serves on our worship team. A lot of times she's um, one of the folk upstairs in the back making sure I look and sound good. Uh, and so don't judge her for that. That's on me. Um, but great uh, to have the Gilberts here, Danny and Kathleen. Again, just wonderful family. Uh, 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 Danny's uh, stationed here and uh, serving um, our country and excited to serve the Lord right here uh, at Southview. So if you're uh, happy to have uh, Danny and Kathleen here as, as I am, let them know by saying amen. Let them know you're excited. Awesome. All right. Jacob and Katharina Fletcher's come on down, guys. So uh, I apologize uh, with, with um, 
I could have met you in the back instead of making you come down here. Katharina is expecting. Um, um, I will ask, what number is this? Five and six. Five and six. <laughs> yes. I will say, if you're visiting here today, there is something legit in the water. Like, we've got, over the next year, I think we have like 10 or 12 babies that are being born over the next year. So that's exciting. We're, we're all for that. But uh, so great to have Jacob and Katharina with us. Jacob uh, serving as well. He's a physician with the Army. Uh, so, so wonderful to have them here. Um, and if you're military and you're visiting with us, again, you know, we've got military families up here. Our desire, we know that we're probably not going to have you forever, okay? You're going you're gonna to be sent somewhere else. We get that. That's the gig. That's the way it goes. But we really do want you connected for as long as you're here. And we understand that that might mean different things for you. But we want you to go through membership. We want you to be plugged into a small group. We want you serving in ministries. Those are good things. So I encourage you, let these couples be an example to you. That's exactly what we're looking for. So for Jacob and Katharina and their whole crew, if you're excited for them and being a part of our uh, family here, let them know again by saying amen. amen. Awesome. Very good. Uh, the Love It's Sean and Caitlin, come on. And, and uh, as they're coming in, they're actually, we're, 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 we're bookended. So uh, uh, Larry and Robin, uh, this is, Caitlin is Larry and Robin's daughter, right? And so we're, I got the whole family here coming in. And also, um, this is weird for me because Caitlin was my son's fifth grade teacher and Sean was my son's middle school coach. So it is Everything inside of me not to call them Miss Lovett and Coach Lovett. Like I, I'm having to remind myself they have first names. They have first names. They have first names. So great to have um, the Lovetts here. Wonderful couple. Great story of their faith in the Lord and bringing them here and, and being faithful and seeking the Lord for where God would have them be as part of a family. So if you're excited for having the Lovetts here, being a part of our family of faith, again, just let them know by saying amen. 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 Randy. Come on in. This is Randy Tomlin. Uh, so glad to have Randy. Um, if, uh, men, you were a part of this past year's uh, men's retreat, you heard Randy share a little bit of his story, his testimony. Uh, just a great example of exactly what we're talking about here, gospel transformation. Randy has an amazing story of when I just got a hold of how glorious Jesus was and what that meant for me, like everything changed. Uh, and so great to have Randy coming today, being a part of our, our family of faith here. He's, he's, he's a wonderful guy, and you're going to love getting to know him. So if you're excited about Randy being a part of us, again, let him know by saying amen. 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 <laughs> Terry, Terry Rolfness, come on in. And again, we've got some family connections here because, again, so Terry is Katharina's mother. And so we've got family all spread out all in here. So we love that. We love having our families come in together and uh, being apart. So uh, Terry is uh, again coming with um, uh, her whole full extended family, Jacob and Katharina, and uh, just again, just wonderful, uh, sweet testimony of the Lord and how God brought her through all of this and bring her here today. And so we're excited to have Terry being a part of us and our family here. So again, if you're excited about Terry joining us today in membership, let her know by saying amen. All right. And then Sarah, Sarah Ellis, come on down this way. 
so Sarah as well has been a part of our church here for a while, plugged into a lot of ministries and small groups and, and, and really uh, um, fully connected here with the life of the church. And so now taking this step in covenant membership. And again, for so many here, some of you, you've been a part of our church for a long time. You're plugged into a small group. You're already serving in a ministry. You're doing these things. You're like, well, why go through membership? It matters. This is really an important step. We love seeing people walk through this, this covenant membership commitment. So I encourage you to be uh, praying about that as well. So again, for Sarah, if you're excited about her being a part of the family of faith here, let her know by saying amen. 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 Give a hand for our whole, our whole crew. All right. Well, I'm going to end our time today. I'm going to be praying for, uh, for all of our new members and uh, praying for them that God would help them get plugged in and connected and bear a lot of fruit here for His glory. It's, uh, it's been a good day. We've had a whole lot going on, man. Uh, and so it's been fun to see all that the Lord has going on right here at Southview. And it's an honor to be a part of it, what little piece I might be. So uh, let's pray over this, uh, this group of folk and uh, I'll uh, bless you and your day as well. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, God, for every one of these amazing people that you have brought here today to be a part of our church. And we do not take this lightly at all. This is serious. We mean business with this. And we are so overwhelmed and excited and humbled that you would allow anyone to want to be a part of what you may be doing here. I ask you, Lord, your hand of blessing on these wonderful people. I pray, God, that you'll help them get connected, help them get plugged in, um, help them find where you want them to serve, God, and that you will allow, again, much, much fruit to bear out. I pray, Jesus, just that you would allow us as a church to minister to them well, love them well, and serve them well for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. Have a great week. Go Niners. Cause the God I serve